Chapter 6 Elf Sightings Since the oasis of the gods' world was crumbling around us, I decided to press on and at least get my place ready, so that if all else failed, I could have a place where I could close the door and feel at home. I was sure that the business end of the community would be sorted eventually. I awakened early and headed to town to meet Glenda. Driving in, the tinted windows on my Mercedes turned a few heads when I entered town. As I left the car, I noticed people's stares. I realised I could be easily mistaken for a Mafia Don's wife and quickly become a subject of curiosity for the locals. I had figured out from my youth that the key to avoiding unwanted attention is to know where you are going and to maintain an air of confidence. If I was to pull that off in this new environment, it would be all an act, I assure you. I did not know where I was going and confidence was at an all-time low. But I digress. Morning has broken and the town's morning hubbub begins. The locals wave at each other while shouting greetings as if to a long-lost brother. Hey, Vincenzo, buongiorno, e Salvatore, come stai? or with great gusto. I see the Irish out in the town for coffee. Wherever they go, they seem to move in perfect synchronicity, two by two, women in front, men behind, and the girls bringing up the rear. They look alike, the women with black hair, stylish dress, and the men, athletic with big calves, shorts and polo shirts. The short skirts of the women make the eyes wide amongst the locals, and today they are attracting attention as they are so obviously not local. They all sit at a local cafe. Since I am early, I park and join them for a coffee. We need to discuss what we'll do about Mick's disappearance. I ask, have any of you ever heard of this Mickey Deegan? The girls start googling on their phones to see what they can find on Mick. The parents notice a man sitting outside the shop opposite us. He has a notepad. He marks it every time someone enters the shop. I take a sip of coffee and watch over the rim of my cup so he doesn't know I'm looking. The Irish's conversation is getting more hushed as they wonder what the man is doing. The googling girls start to squeal. They have found Mick's history online. He is IRA and has been to prison. He blew up the bacon factory after stealing the payroll. That's just great. It might take a little longer to get this sorted. A large Mercedes sedan pulls up on the curb opposite. A smartly dressed man steps out and goes into the shop. The Irish are torn between the girls' news and what happens next. The man and someone who appears to be the shopkeeper exit the shop. The shopkeeper flips the sign on the shop to Chioso, which means close. He tosses the keys to the man with a notepad and both head to the waiting car and drive off. The Irish pretend not to notice what just happened. One says under his breath, The elves are busy today. One of the girls snickers and shows us a picture of an elf on a shelf on her phone. I think we should count them, the other girl laughs. I've seen three so far. She types on her phone and now there are three elves on her phone. Just then, Glenda arrives. She has an air about her as if she is the saviour of all who need to shop. She waves to the coffee shopkeeper, who hands her an espresso without her having to ask for it. She promptly downs it and places the tiny cup on the table. She turns to me. Ready? As Glenda and I walk away, I can't help feeling like I'm about to see where that rabbit hole will lead. I think to myself, 
Don't want to fixate on the elves. Shake it off, Katie. Next stop, housewares and furniture. Going down. Glenda leads me excitedly to the Chinese shop. I had asked Glenda where to go for curtain rods, buckets, mops, hangers, doormats, etc. And her every reply was Chinese shop. When she said the word Chinese shop, I could only imagine that it had to be Xanadu based on her enthusiasm. In fact, it was a variable Aladdin's cave, stacked to the ceiling with every household need you could think of, plus racks of clothes and shoes stacked in boxes like the Tower of Pisa. There is no place equal to the Chinese shop that I can think of in comparison. Just think of a very mini Kmart that only takes cash and decorated with Chinese lanterns. I couldn't help but wonder if the Chinese people running the store were subject to the same arrangement as the Italian shopkeeper we had just seen bundled into a car. Leaving the Chinese shop, Glenda asks, Furniture next? Yes, I say, and follow her, sure that she really has this down. Eventually, I discovered that she had made this type of shopping trip into a business. The shop owners clearly were prepped in advance that we were coming and each knowingly discussed each transaction with Glenda as I shopped. When moving on to the white goods and furniture, Glenda was very enthusiastic to visit Fabio. He had a little shop with tons of catalogues and also, when he was convinced that I was really serious about buying, he asked us to follow him in his car, which was a tiny beat-up Fiat 500, to a place near his house. I think he was actually part of his house. He pushed the sliding barn door open and it was a huge showroom full of all types of furniture. Glenda went around poking and opening looking at prices whilst I discussed style options with Fabio. This was not a quick process. We spent an hour or two there negotiating to the final price, by which time Glenda would make sure that she was helpful and worked out the math for us. I couldn't help feeling like I was being handled. But when in Rome, it became a way of life at this point. Then there was the day of delivery. Fabio's little car would arrive to my house with furniture tied all over it. I found that since the only entrance was the tunnel under the train tracks, he could not bring a van all the way to the house. He had a system which entailed a matter-of-fact process where he would park the van across the road from the tunnel and then load the goods onto the car and drive shakily through the dusty road to arrive outside the villa. The items that could not be tied were carried from the van, which was parked in the field over the other side of the railway tracks. For the big items, workers played the game of running with my newly purchased merchandise immediately after a train had passed. That was difficult with things like the washing machine, though. It was years later I discovered that the little Fiat 500 was not his only car. His vehicle of choice, late at night or on trips away, would be a Mercedes. Not any merchant wanted to claim a business that was profitable, as collections would be taken by the elves. I received a call that a film that I developed was greenlit, and I had to go to London without much notice. With most of the furniture required, I had to leave the condo with much of the construction, finishing details, unfinished. Not done. As for the missing deposits in Mickey Deacon, it transpired that Mickey had done the original deal with a local Italian who was rumoured to be in bed with the Mafia. Over the next few months, the only updates with the Oasis of the Gods was through whatever news I could get from Glenda. 
there was so little communication flowing out of the Oasis administration. I was regretting having only Glenda to update me. Must get Roxy's personal phone next time. Days passed quickly, working on the film. The dynamic of leaving the unknown behind at the Oasis became the norm whenever I worked or travelled. You get thick skin not knowing what is in store. You just figure it out later. The one thing that drew my attention was a news article on an ongoing mafia trial being held in Reggio. Film done, I get on the plane to fly back into Reggio. The latest word from Glenda was that there is a new administration in place at the Oasis. Finally, I hoped it would all be sorted out. Since there is now a major world recession, I'm beginning to think the Oasis would be a good retreat for a while. The rumble of the plane and an early Bloody Mary lulls me into the need for a nap. When you finish doing a film, there is a feeling like you've been to war. The world stops and you feel out of touch. To come back to the little condo by the sea feels right somehow. Under normal circumstances, it would be anyway a good place to collect your thoughts, regroup and breathe the sea air. I've invited my friend Holly to come down and share the vibe with me.